There was this one time where there was a, where there was a lady who, uh, you know, she, she apparently could not have children. As with many, uh, she was considered, I guess what you would say, barren. And she was unable to have a baby. She had in vitro fertilization. She had, you know, went and pay, they paid the money, she and her husband, to get in vitro fertilization. And, you know, and that still did not take. It still didn't work. In fact, her tubes were so closed up. Somebody say closed up. They were so closed up that when they shot dye inside of her to check and see how closed up her tubes were, that the dye just shot right back out at them. So the situation naturally was looking absolutely crazy. And it seemed in that moment, you know, she, she, was, she was down and she was in this challenging position where she could not have this child. On a Tuesday, I was at home and I was fasting and praying, seeking God. We were getting ready to have Bible study the next day. Somebody say Bible study. And as we were getting ready to have Bible study, I heard God say as we were in this time of fasting and prayer on this Tuesday, I sought the Lord and I heard God say in my spirit, I heard him say, I want you to pray for Helen. And this testimony is public so, so I can say her name. Pray for Helen. Lay hands and pray for Helen that God would do a miracle in her life. And so I sat there and I'm thinking to myself, like, God, no, this is, this is crazy. I don't, you know, are you serious? You're really going to do something? She went to the doctor. She did all this stuff and whatever. And nothing, none of it was working. Are you serious? Are you telling me that something is really going to happen? And so I'm sitting there. I'm like... Okay, God, you know, I, as, as crazy as I'm going to look, I'm going to call them up. And he told me to do it in Bible study. So I said, okay, I'm going to do it. I'll do it. I will, I will, I will go out. Of, I'm going to call her up and we're going to pray. So the following day, I geared myself up and I called her. I said, okay, I'm believing that God is going to do this thing. Trust me, I'm going somewhere. And as I'm standing up there at the front of the service, Bible study's taking place. Everybody's getting their Bibles ready. They're, you know, going Helen and her husband show up and they walk in the door and, you know, so Helen's in there. I'm getting ready. Okay, turn to your Bibles. And I'm like, before we go to Bible study, I just want, if you can, if, if, if Helen, Helen, you and Richard, if you guys can just come to the front, the Holy Spirit just put something on my heart, you know, and I just want to do this. And I don't know, you know, I, I, just, I just want to pray for you if that's okay. And they came and they're like, okay, you know, you can pray for us. Sure. So I, I laid hands on her stomach. I anointed her with oil, laid hands on her stomach, right? And laid hands on her husband and, and prayed. And I asked God, I said, God, I'm doing what you've told me to do in obedience. And I laid hands on her and believed and prayed that God would do a miracle in her, in her body. Come on, somebody. And so it was one of those things where I was expecting, you know, you know, like how the testimonies happen. And then they, people jump out the wheelchair and then they just start running or... You know, or her belly might have just grown right there or something. We'd be like, oh, yeah, you know, miracle happened. But it was one of those situations where absolutely nothing happened. She praised God. We praised God. And we're looking like, man, what in the world? I'm like, see, God, I mean, you made me call this woman up front. I prayed for her and absolutely nothing took place. And so it was one of those things where I'm looking and I'm like, okay, maybe they'll just forget about it. Maybe they'll just forget this one thing, you know. And, and so, and so, no. It was one of those things where almost a year went by. Come on, somebody. Someone sees where I'm going this morning. Almost a year went by and the doctors had written them off and said, no, that there's no way that they are going to have a baby. 
And so this is how it came back to me. I was studying to preach. There's a story in the Old Testament, and which is the first part of the Bible for those who are new to Bible. The first part of the Bible is a story in the Old Testament uh, where there's a baby named Samuel. And Samuel was born to a woman named Hannah. Somebody say Hannah. And Hannah was a woman who was considered barren. Hannah was unable to have children. And God, God gave her a miracle and made it where she was able. She who was called barren and who was ridiculed and who was made fun of by people in her midst because of her inability to have a child. That God did the miracle and gave her the ability to have a child. So I'm sitting there. This is the passage the Lord led me to preach on Mother's Day. Somebody say Mother's Day. Man, I'm about to do a backflip up here. And so as I'm getting ready to preach this, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, kicking myself like, man, I can't believe almost a year ago, you know, I called up Helen and Helen is getting re- Helen is here and, you know, and I'm praying for her and I told her God's going to do a miracle and God didn't do nothing. And look, I'm looking crazy and I'm getting ready to preach about how God did this thing and gave a woman who was bearing a baby. And I'm just like, Lord, what, how you have me out here looking crazy? You ever felt in, been in that moment before? Some Christians who have been walking with the Lord, God has called you and told you to do some stuff that to others, it looked absolutely insane. Maybe I'm the only one, but it's happened to me before as well. And it happens all the time. And so I'm like, God, what are you going to do? But we're in this position. I'm getting ready to preach on Mother's Day. And I kid you not, I get a text message from Helen, right? And Helen, in the text message, she says, Pastor, please call me, right? So I'm like, what in the world is going on? I call and I had just finished telling my wife. I'm like, because I was in the study studying where this happened. I went out. I'm like, babe, I can't believe I was telling her again. I can't believe I told Helen that and all this stuff. She texts me while I'm getting ready to preach about how God gave a barren woman a child. Call me. I called her. She goes, Pastor, uh, you know, I have, something was wrong. I thought something was wrong because, you know, and things obviously with the cycle and stuff were off and whatnot. Uh, but she said, you know, this was a little bit different. And I went and I got checked and I found out that I'm a few months pregnant. Okay. So, 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 so it, it, it didn't happen. When, when I did it immediately, nothing happened. Uh, but, 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 but God, God, because he's God and he doesn't operate on our timing. Come on, somebody. When he, he, he decided that he wasn't just going to come through, but he was going to come through in a way that was mind blowing. While I'm getting ready to preach about how God gave a barren woman a child, he decides to make Helen pregnant around this time to show that he wasn't just going to come through, but that that he was going to come through in a big way. Who am I preaching to on this morning? And can I give you somebody say, but there's more. So, 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 so obviously, as you can imagine, that Mother's Day, we didn't have no church at all. The church just cut up and tore up because a lot of them were there on that Wednesday, almost a year before, and they knew about what had happened and what was declared. And it's no glory to me, but it's all glory to God that when God said something, he's going to bring it to pass. And there, thereafter, it was really cool because we were in this position that this happened. And let me tell you this. So you would never. We, we, the, so she's pregnant. Uh, she, the, the, we prayed over her that this would come to, you know, the babe would be able to, become, to come to full term and all of this. And guess what, man? On December 25th. Can the story get any better? This actually happened, y'all. 
December 25th, Christmas Day, Josiah Powell was born. And let me tell you, it wasn't just no little baby, but this is, we call him Bubba. He came out big head and all. Come on, somebody. On Christmas Day. And so I'm here to tell you, my brothers and sisters, that we serve a God who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ask or think. Ephesians 3.20, according to the power that works within us. Come on, someone. And I don't know what you're facing on today. I don't know what situation you're up against. I don't know what thing you're facing that seems insurmountable. But I showed up up this Sunday morning here in a theater in the middle of Malvern to help one or two people to know that with God there is nothing that shall be impossible in fact go ahead give your neighbor a high five tell them nothing is impossible come on nothing 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 is impossible the the miraculous still takes place and so here here in the text here in the text as you heard we are talking about a supernatural solution wherein Jesus did something miraculous Jesus did something awesome where he turned water into wine which is absolutely outstanding and I love this passage because as we're dealing with it uh look at what happens here in verse in verse uh in verse 4 and 5 Jesus said to her woman what does this have to do with me my hour has not yet come his mother said to the servants do whatever he tells you someone say do whatever he tells you do whatever he tells you come on you know and see the fact of the matter is this let me under let me help you to understand this notice this notice this in the next verses it says now there were six stone water jars for the jewish rites of purification in verse six each holding 20 or 30 gallons jesus said to the servants fill the jars with water someone say fill the jars with water now, so just so you understand, the Jews had many rites of purification. There were many things that they did to purify themselves. Many washings that took place. The washings were not similar, were not uh, the same as baptism and did not have the meaning of baptism. But they had these things that they did within the context of their law that they were required to do in terms of washing themselves. And so these big water pots were used for purification. And so these pop, you know, you can, you can see these things, you can write them down and check them out. We're passages that speak around this purification, like Matthew 15, verse 2, and Mark chapter 7, verse 3 and 4, where Jesus talks uh, about the Pharisees and the way that they, that they participated in this sort of behavior. Not only this, in Luke chapter 11, verse 39, there was, there were these things, these, Jesus is speaking, uh, and there are thoughts that are surrounding these, these, these actions of purification that took place and so courtney you know this this these jars were used for purification someone say purification so when jesus is telling them to go and to fill these jars because he's getting ready to do a miracle in something that is used for purification this is something that makes no sense the first thing, the first fact is that he is getting ready to do a miracle, to turn water into wine. But aside from this, he does this miracle in something that is considered dirty. In one of those verses that I mentioned, Jesus talks about how the Pharisees used to clean only the outside of those jars, but they didn't clean the inside. 
So they used to wash their hands in these jars. They used to wash their feet in these jars. They used to, they used to use these things for cleaning. And so for Jesus to decide to use and do this miracle in this jar of purification, and he was to tell the servants to do this, this was something that made absolutely no sense. But the first thing that I want to draw out of this passage, if I could just help one or two people on this morning, is that when, in, as it pertains to supernatural solutions, as it pertains to walking in the miraculous sometimes what God tells us to do makes absolutely no sense it might call you out of your comfort zone who am I talking to on this morning but you and I this is the first point in order to see the miraculous we have to do what God says even if it makes no sense even if you look crazy, even if you look out of your mind, I, if, you know what? I don't know about you, but I, if you really, there are people who care more about what they look like than their situation being changed. But I wonder if there's one or two people in this place this morning that says, you know what? When you really get tired of what it is that you're facing, when nothing natural that you do, come on in vitro fertilization, when nothing natural that you do, come on using your mouth and trying to talk it out, when nothing that you do in terms of the money that you invest when nothing that you do in the natural seems to be working out i don't know about you but you get to the place where you say you know what i'll look crazy i'm willing to look crazy as long as god is going to do what he needs in my life there are too many of us that care about what people think there are too many of us today that care about what people how people are looking at us but when you really get to the place when you are tired my yes is the answer to my deliverance so 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 he do what God says even when it looks crazy you know in Genesis chapter 17 and 18 it's just an amazing story there in 17 God comes to Abraham and he puts him he calls Abraham and he tells Abraham that he is going to make him the father of many nations and Abraham is like God are you serious Abraham actually laughed he's like God are you going to make someone who has a, someone who is a hundred years old have seed are you going to make someone who is a hundred years old? Are you going to put them in a position where they're going to have children? I don't have, I don't, my wife and I, we can't have children because God told him that his wife was going to have this child, but his wife was unable to have children. That's why if you know the story or if you go and read it in Genesis 17 and 18, his wife, Sarah, couldn't have children. And he, she ended up giving Abraham, her servant, Hagar, to have a child because she could not have children but what the fact of the matter is that when God has a plan God is not limited by your natural situation come on somebody God is not limited by what you see God is not limited by your age there's someone here today who thinks it's over to for you because of how old you are but I showed up today to tell you no matter how old you are that God when he has a plan for your life he is able to do that thing in your life I love it and I believe it's Acts chapter 3 or chapter 4 I know chapter 3 in Acts is where Peter and John were able to tell that dude silver and gold have I none but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth rise up and walk and there was something that was noted I believe it's in Acts chapter 4 yes it is Acts chapter 4 in verse 22 it says for the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old 
And I love the Bible because the Bible, God doesn't record stuff by accident. I believe that God puts stuff in there. Come on, somebody, for those people who might be feeling this man was bound at this gate called beautiful. What a paradox it was. It was called beautiful, but such destitution was there where there's a man that was in this position who was begging. Come on, someone. And even though they were going to this temple, that he was there and he was in this bound position. But in that moment, God did the miracle in his life and it was declared that this man was above 40 years old. I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but I want to tell you that your age is not a factor. That when God has a plan for you, he'll bring it to pass. Don't you think that he knows how old you are? If he did, if your age was a factor, he wouldn't have told you. But we find now that Abraham is in this position where God makes this promise to him and he laughs because he talks about his age. And then, and then we find that, that in 18, that three men, three men come uh, and they are rep- representing the Lord. And they tell Sarah, that, or they're talking with Moses, and Sarah is overhearing. And she's overhearing that they are saying she is going to be found with a child. And she's like, man, are you serious? How in the world am I going to have a child? And she is laughing. She was laughing outside what she was overhearing because she didn't think that it was possible for God to do that supernatural thing. And the, 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 the men who were there, which represented the Lord, they overheard her and they said, you think this thing is funny? Wait, but this time next year, you are going to be found with a child, man. And so I showed up today to tell you I love in verse 14, uh, in verse 14 of chapter 18 in Genesis, uh, there's a question that is asked by those three men. Is there anything? that's too hard for the lord come on now somebody shout it say nothing my god and that question is here for you on today we find it you know it doesn't make sense that a hundred year old man should have a child but when god calls you that's what makes it even more miraculous if your natural situation in your natural situation you were able to walk these things out then who in the world needs god but i wonder if there's someone here today that knows that god will oftentimes do the most amazing things in and through people who may have been and counted out in and through people who naturally seem like they may not be the ones that he would pick or use man i don't know who i'm talking to on this morning you might think that you're not qualified naturally you might think that your situation oh i haven't been a christian that long that guy's been following god since noah built the ark no it doesn't matter how long you have been following god we serve a god that can take a man named paul who was a persecutor of christians and knock him off of his horse and call him and use him to write two-thirds of the new testament so much so that people were looking at him wondering who in the world is this this same paul that used to persecute christians is this same paul that held the garments of the people who were stoning stephen yes because god is a god who can take anyone and take anything and do supernatural things for his glory and for his honor somebody give him praise this morning so we do what God tells us to do even when it doesn't make sense and so moving on not only this we find uh look at this in in going back to to John chapter 2 we find it says uh in verse verse chapter verse number five the mother says to the servants do whatever he tells you and you know what I love about Mary if I could just put this in there as a side note 
you know, there are a lot of people who, uh, who honor Mary, and Mary is fantastic. Yay, we praise God for Mary because Mary was the one who birthed Jesus into the world. Yay, and she said yes, even though she looked crazy <laughs> by, by, by saying yes uh, when God decided that he was going to impregnate her without her having baby, without her having sexual intercourse, and bring the Son of God into the world to save the world. So that's, But that's a side note. But note what Mary does. Mary, Mary is not trying to take glory for herself. But Mary is pointing people to Jesus. Mary is saying, do what Jesus says. Come on, somebody. And so a healthy view of Mary is not to worship Mary. This is just a side note. This is just for free. But we ought to do what Mary did and point people to who? Side note, but I digress. And then verse 6 says, Now there were six stone jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding 20 or 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water somebody say fill the jars they filled the jars with water and it was in these jars of water that jesus ends up doing the miraculous it was there was it was their obedience they they went and the bible goes on and it says that they filled the jars to the brim if they had have filled the jars halfway if they had have filled the jars three quarters way that would not have been in obedience to what it is that god had said and so the level of their submission to what it is that god declared to them that's ultimately determined the level of the miracle that was done in their life. Who am I talking to on this morning? Number one. So number one, you've got to do what God says, even if it doesn't make sense. Number two, let me tell you this. The level of our submission often determines the magnitude of our miracle. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, 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 so there are many of us who are in a position where we are seeking the miraculous to take place in our life. We're looking for a supernatural solution to take place in our life, but we are unwilling to fill the jar in that area. Who am I talking to on this morning? I'm here to tell you that partial submission most times will get us no miracle, but oftentimes partial submission will only get us part of the miracle. And some of us are wondering, why it is that our marriages are still in the position where they are some of us are looking at our finances and we are only honoring God with part of our finances come on somebody this morning and you're wondering why your finances are jacked up some of us are only spending five minutes with the Lord in prayer in the morning you know I want to be used God to cast out devils and I want to be used God to be an evangelist to the nations and all of this and we declare this stuff but are you really willing to pay the cost of what it will take to be in a position where the miraculous will flow in and through your life if you tip God like you tip a waiter but then you're looking for a bountiful blessing in your finances how in the world are you expecting for the miraculous to take place in your finances what is it that God is telling you to do that you are deciding that you want to give him halfway as opposed to giving him the whole way partial submission is going to get partial results and i'm here to tell you you know you can lock three doors on your car but if you lock three doors on your car but leave one door open it don't matter about those three dark those three doors yay praise god the three doors are locked but guess what when the thief comes to door one he's gonna say man i can't get in there when the thief goes to door two he's gonna say man i can't get in there either because the door's closed when he gets to door three he's gonna say you know what man hey um man you know i 
can't get in here either because they closed this door. But when he gets to the next door, if that door is unlocked, man, my Bible says in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to do nothing, Johnny, but to steal, kill, and destroy. And I'm here to tell you that Satan is looking for whatever crack he can get into. You know, some of us be saying, man, I can't, I'm so tired of having these bad dreams. And God told you to stop, stop watching them horror flicks. And you don't want to put aside those horror flicks. Uh, if you can't say amen, you might as well say ouch. You know, some of us, we're, we're in this position, you know, where we're saying, where we're saying, God, I, I just can't, you know, I, I, I don't have any money, Lord. And I, and, I, and I wish that my finances could be in a better place. But yet we're making the decision to have 10,000 channels on cable. And we're making the decision to get a new phone every single time that it comes out. But we're not using being good financial stewards of our finances. We're using credit cards like cash. And we're wondering why the miracles are not taking place. And I like somebody here is saying, why is my blood pressure so high? But before you even taste the food, when you show up to the restaurant, you're piling on the salt and the black pepper. Who am I talking to? My wife hates when that happens. You know, when people come over and they start putting salt. You didn't even taste the food and you put in salt on the food. Then you're wondering why your blood pressure is so high. But my question to you is how bad do you want it? How bad do you want deliverance? How bad do you want the victory you are in a position where god has given you the victory where the victory is provision but are you willing to fill the jar to the top and we find a story in second kings uh, second kings is in the old testament uh, it's right after the book of Second Samuel. If you start with from Genesis and go forward, it's somewhere there. Uh, you'll you'll buck, in, buck up with Second Kings. And I love this story in Second Kings, uh, the thirteenth chapter. What chapter did I say? Uh, the 13th chapter and this is really cool uh, verse 14 through 19 look at what happens here the bible says in this is regarding elisha i'm almost done it says now when elisha had fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die joash king of israel went down to him and wept before him crying so here elisha he's a prophet he's getting ready to die he's sick and joash who is the king is there now going before him and look what he's saying to him my father my father the chariots of of Israel and its horsemen and verse 15 says and Elisha said to him take a bow and arrows so he took the bow and arrows then he said to the king of Israel draw the bow and he drew it and Elisha laid his hand on the king's hand and he said open the window eastward somebody say eastward and he opened it then Elisha said shoot someone say shoot yeah you can say that in church and he shot and he said, the Lord's arrow of victory. Somebody say victory. He says, the arrow of victory is over Syria. For you shall fight the Syrians in Aphek and, uh, until you have made an end of them. So note this statement that is made here. That, that he declares, Elisha declares, that the king has victory over Syria. Somebody say, victory is his. Yeah, so, so he has victory over Syria and look at what happens here. So he says it, that this is what the, this is the declaration that has been made before they even go any further. And it says in verse 18, now watch this. It says, and he said, take the arrows and he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground with them. And he struck three times and stopped. Someone say three times. Then the man of God, who is Elijah, was angry with him. 
and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you had made an end of it. But now you will strike down Syria only three times. Let's back up, back up, back up. So number one, we have to note the fact that it was declared that he had the victory. It was declared that by him shooting the arrow through the window, you have the victory. You are going to defeat Syria. But then based on the kings only striking the ground three times, instead of five or six times the kings striking up the ground determined how how indeed how victorious he was going to be over the syrians are you with me on this morning notice note this what does this have to do with me what am i talking about this morning notice the victory was already declared before he started striking the ground that's believers i love zach you know what i love about the bible is that the bible says in Phil- in first corinthians chapter 15 thanks be to god who has given us the victory come on somebody through christ jesus our lord lord and so i'm so thankful that we have been we overcome not because of our strength but the fight has already been fixed because jesus has been victorious on the cross so we are not fighting for victory but we are fighting from victory come on somebody but even though this victory has been provisioned although this victory has been put in place the level notice that 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 happened that the that the time the amount of time that he struck the ground with his arrows determined how many times this victory would be efficacious in his life in other words the victory being efficacious or effective in his life was determined upon the amount of times that he struck the ground and i'm here to tell somebody this morning oh my god that the victory the miraculous that's taking place in your life you already have the victory through christ jesus your lord but there are many of us that even though we know we are in this position of victory we're only striking once or twice and so i ask you this morning how many times are you going to strike the ground yes you're in this position of victory but how many areas of your life are you going to submit to god are you going to stop just because you're fine oh yeah now i got my finances in order and so even though the other areas are jacked i'm going to stop right here how many of you know what i'm talking about we get so caught up in fixing this one thing and then when the thing is done we just put up a you know a flag and we just rest but i wonder if there's anybody that's in this place that's on this journey of sanctification sanctification is a cool word that means that god is forming himself uh, in me and consequently it's going to come out of me over time i don't know about you but i'm going to keep on working by the grace of god not for the victory but from the place of victory that god has positioned and i'm gonna keep striking until my mind gets right i'm gonna keep striking until there's a miracle in my family I'm going to keep filling that jar until my mind is in order. I'm going to keep filling that jar until my finances are in order. I'm going to keep filling that jar and striking the ground until that victory is manifest in every area of my life. Somebody just shout victory. So the level of your submission determines the magnitude of the miracle in your life. Man, you know what I love about it? You know what that victory positioned him? Because when Elisha told shot that arrow through the window and told him to shoot that arrow through the window and he would be victorious over the Syrians, that indicated to us that the victory was already behind him. And so, you know, this is why many of us are reluctant to make moves forward. Many of us are reluctant to make moves. And the reason why we're reluctant to make 
faith moves forward is because we don't understand that there is a force that is behind you. You have been positioned to win. You have been positioned to win. There is an engine behind you called the grace of God. Come on, somebody. And God is there for you. And that victory means that as you make efforts, God wants to see you whole. God wants to see your mind right. So as you make efforts to making your mind right, he's giving you strength and muscles behind that effort that you're making because he wants you make efforts to get your finances in order. God gives you grace behind it. There's victory behind it. He's backing you up. You know what, man? I remember when I was a kid and I was in public school and they used to pick on me. Uh, and there was these people who were picking on me. Uh, it might even have been a girl that was picking on me. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, the point is I was being bullied as a child. And, 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 and you know, the, the, the fact, Vanessa, what happened uh, was that I was in this position. And, you know, one day I went to school and, and they were, my parents were telling me, you know what, you need to just stand up to this, this person. Uh, we're just going to say person. Uh, and make sure that, that you don't let them pick on you no more. And the amazing thing was uh, that my, that, you know, this one day I walked to school. And as I was going to school, you know, I walked with my chest a little higher on this day. I walked with my chin out you know this day and I showed up man like this person I'm not going to tell you what her name was Jessica uh, that you know that you know I'm like you're not going to pick on me anymore uh, she was you know she was a little she was bigger than me I was you know even scrawnier than I am now and you know and I walked and I'm like you're you're not going to pick on me and you know why I went up there and my chest was out and my chin was out uh, is because my big cousin named Brian come on somebody uh, Brian was behind me I knew that he was backing me so if she punched me in my face again or or if she did anything crazy, that Brian was standing behind me to back me up and say, leave my cousin alone. Who am I talking to this morning? I'm here to tell you that you have a savior that is not just sent you out into the battle by yourself, but the fact that you have this victory declares and indicates that his grace is with you. So as I am walking, I don't have to face these devils by myself. I don't have to face my boss by myself. I don't have to face my marriage challenges by myself i don't have to face my health issues by myself i don't have to face my mind issues by myself but there's a brian who's standing up in the back behind me and his name is jesus and so when i go where i go he goes come on somebody where i walk that victory comes in my life and lastly john chapter 2 says Verse uh, after this, fill the jars with water. Fill them. And they filled them up to the brim. Verse 8. And he said to them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. Somebody says they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine, did not know where it came from. Though the servants had drawn the water, they knew. Mercy. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves the good wine first. And when the people have drunk freely, then they serve the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine till now. And I told you the difference between poor wine and good wine is the good wine was the wine that took, was the wine that was fermented longer. Uh, it was that good stuff. And the poor wine was the stuff that, that was shorter, you know, uh, that in, in, in the amount of time that it took for fermentation. And, and so this thing took place and it's just bonkers to me. It's bonkers uh, because look at this. They, these servants they the bible says that the master had no clue where the wine came from 
But Jesus had encouraged them to go and give this wine to the master. The servants knew that this wine had come out of a purification jar. Out of this jar that, the, 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 that people wash their hands and their feet crud and their toe jam off in. They, he, they knew that. Uh, but they still went on. Because even though that jar was used, was in that position where previously it was used for that. This jar now had been sanctified. Somebody say sanctified. It had been set apart for holy use and so and so they were not embarrassed or ashamed even though they knew uh, about where this thing came from come on somebody what it was used for previously they took from the they took some wine from that water pot and they went and they served it to the master who am i talking to on this morning and so you know and the master says look this is good wine and so i'm here to tell you this morning uh that there are some of you this morning number three this is my point don't be ashamed to share your miracle with others the servants weren't ashamed because even though they knew where the wine had come from and some of you are ashamed to share what God has done in your life some of you are ashamed to share about the supernatural solution about Jesus spiking the water in your life and the reason why you're ashamed of it is because you don't know pastor what I used to do you don't know what my jar used to be used for you don't know how many people I used to sleep with you don't know how many people that I was mean to you don't know what I used to do with my money and where I used to put it when people were dancing. You don't know. Can I just be real? You don't know what I used to do in the backseat of those cars. You don't know what I used to do when I cheated on my taxes. And you're talking and you might be ashamed because of what you did in your marriage. You might be ashamed because of what happened in the past because of your water jar. But I'm here to tell you, baby, it doesn't matter what you have done once you have an encounter with Jesus that thing that used to be filthy that life that used to be a mess that very thing is the thing that God can use to be able to do the miraculous and show his goodness to others man I don't know who I'm talking to this morning don't be ashamed of your past don't be ashamed of what you did don't be ashamed if any man be in Christ 2nd Corinthians 5 17 if any man be in Christ he is a new creature come on who am I talking to all things are past away somebody say they're gone and all things become new no matter what happened in that water pot God's serving wine out of this now and every now and again somebody somebody will show up and they try to treat you like when they like the old water pot every now and again somebody tries to come up and talk about remember when you used to do this remember when I used to do that remember when we used to do this together and you say guess what you know that might have happened in the old water pot but this water pot is serving wine now come on somebody it's some Don Perignon coming out of this thing now it's some high price stuff that's coming out of this this water pot it's no longer used for what it was used for before I've been blood washed I've been Holy Ghost filled I've been water baptized and God is doing a miracle in and through me now I'm done but the challenge is how bad do you want it how bad do you want it? And I understand stuff happens and things happen and all of that. But a lot of us, it's not stuff happening that's the challenge. But it's us just being lazy and us not using the victory that God has provisioned for us on the cross. And so that's my challenge to you. Can I leave you with this nugget? And I'm not, I'm not, it's not the fake preacher clothes, you know, when they say I'm done and it's like five more times. This is the real one. This is the real one. Don't do things your way and expect godly results 